All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we're doing our all 22 film review from the Falcons week eight loss to the Carolina Panthers. We'll be answering a listener question about Russell Gage. But speaking of a Falcons wide receiver, the Falcons made a bold move by signing Marvin Hall. We'll talk about why that move is better late than never, as well as how Hall's explosiveness could enhance this Falcons offense moving forward. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter, at Falcfans putting up weekly content over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, we are going to be talking quite a bit about Marvin Hall, the Falcons' latest signing that they made the addition on Tuesday. We'll talk about why it's good that the Falcons finally made this move after several weeks of me on this podcast, clamoring for that move we'll talk about the added explosiveness and how that could help enhance the Falcons offense and why explosiveness is so necessary uh, to have success in today's NFL and then we'll get into the all 22 portion of today's episode where we review the film and we'll be answering a listener question about another wide receiver on the Falcons roster in Russell Gage and whether or not his lack of targets was due to the fact that he was not getting open. So we'll get into all of that on today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And of course, now available on YouTube. Go subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel. Make sure you leave a comment. Make sure you, you give us a like as well when you head over to Lockdown Falcons on YouTube. So the big news on Tuesday was that the Falcons signed Marvin Hall. And for those of you that are wholly unfamiliar with Marvin Hall, how dare you? But if you don't know who Marvin Hall is, he was an undrafted free agent that originally signed with the Oakland Raiders, the then Oakland Raiders, out of the University of Washington way back in 2016. He finished his rookie season on the Arizona Cardinals practice squad before the Falcons wound up scooping him up in the summer of 2017. And then he would carve out a role as Julio Jones's primary backup uh, that summer, given that Julio Jones was as usual, not practicing and participating in the preseason. So Marvin Hall got a lot of reps with the starting offense that summer. Uh, you know, incredible that starters are actually playing in the preseason uh, at one point in time in the Falcons history. But that being said, he did not wind up making the final roster, all jokes aside. He wound up landing on the Falcons practice squad, but would be activated to the Falcons roster later that season around mid-October. And in his first game against the Miami Dolphins, caught a 40-yard touchdown uh, on his first game. And so that, that would certainly immediately endear him to me. Uh, after being impressive the previous summer. And then in 2018, he remained Julio Jones's backup, but also sort of split reps with a then-rookie Russell Gage. Uh, Hall also served as the team's primary kickoff returner during that 2018 season. But as a way 
for the Falcons to give Gage greater opportunities at the wide receiver position the following year, as well as the Falcons wanting to make a change in terms of the return game and would ultimately draft return specialist Marcus Green in the sixth round of that 2019 draft. The Falcons basically let Marvin Hall walk uh, and, and did not opt to re-sign him the following offseason. He would land in Chicago with the Bears that summer, would not make that team, but would first come into contact with the Falcons' current offensive coordinator in Dave Ragone when he was a quarterback's coach with Chicago, but would wind up going to Detroit later that year and would continue to show himself to be that big play specialist that season in 2019. And over the next year and a half uh, playing for the lions in 20 games, he only caught 24 passes, but he was averaging 23 yards per reception, indicating that he was making all those big plays, uh, hooking up many times with the big arm, Matt Stafford, over the course of that year and a half in uh, Detroit. But then the Lions would wind up letting him go at the end of that 2020 season. He would go with the New England Patriots this past summer, uh, would get cut this past August, and then basically starting in late September, uh, if you were following me on Twitter at Falcons, you would often hear me clamoring for either the Falcons to go out there and get a speed wide receiver like Marvin Hall or John Brown, and basically revisiting the timeline of uh, when pushing for the Falcons to add a, a dynamic explosive wide receiver. You go all the way back to September 21st when the Falcons first worked out John Brown coming off the heels of that Bucks game. Then a couple of days later was when I first realized that, oh, Marvin Hall got cut by the Patriots. He's also available. Uh, why wouldn't the Falcons go out there and sign him, particularly coming off of the heels of that Giants game where the Falcons struggled once more to become an explosive offense? And then the hope was uh, after the, the following week, after the Washington game, that the Falcons would wind up signing one of those two players. Uh, the Broncos wound up picking up John Brown, but Marvin Hall was still out there. And then eventually, a, couple, a week or so ago on October 26th, the Falcons did finally work out uh, Marvin Hall a month after they worked out John Brown. And then today on November 2nd is when the Falcons finally signed him. Um, basically, you, you have, uh, what, five weeks, five, six weeks of pushing for the Falcons um, to sign Marvin Hall. And they finally did it. Um, and, you know, if you go back to early episodes that I did on here in the podcast, Back in early October, when I was pushing for the Falcons to first sign Marvin Hall, um, I talked about how if the Falcons had signed a wide receiver then, like Brown or Hall, you would potentially get those guys ready to play as early as this past week's Carolina game or this upcoming week's New Orleans games based off of the timeline that we saw from running back Wayne Goldman, who took basically four weeks after the Falcons signed him before they ultimately uh, would activate him uh, on game day. And then the three week uh, period of time where Mike Pinnell, the defensive tackle that the Falcons signed to the practice squad uh, earlier this season before he was ultimately elevated to the roster and, and ready to play. So, you know, assuming that there's basically a three to four week timeline where the Falcons can sign a player and, and feel pretty comfortable that that player uh, is ready to play, picked up the offense and all those various things that would probably mean Marvin Hall based off of this current timeline would probably not play until after the Thursday night game against the Patriots in week 11. So that week 12 game against the Jaguars uh, or the home game, the following week against the Bucks would probably be the first time that we would get an opportunity to see Marvin Hall. Obviously I wanted to see the Falcons assign that speed threat several weeks ago. Um, but you know, it, it would have been an indicator that the team saw then that they were lacking 
that speed threat, which to me was very obvious after the first two games that they needed to go out there and find that guy. And of course, you know, one of the reasons why you would not necessarily believe that the Falcons would drag their feet is, oh, well, they don't have a lot of cap space or they don't want to necessarily cut a guy. But presumably we don't know the terms, but we're assuming that Marvin Hall is signing for a veteran minimum contract. And the fact that you would wind up picking him up on the practice squad rather than having to need a roster spot immediately for him. So basically at this point in time, even though it's a little later than I would like to see, um, you know, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth at this point, or as I often say on this podcast, beggars can't be choosers. So I'm glad it's finally done that the Falcons, you know, stop twiddling their thumbs. Um, and, you know, unfortunately we had to wait until Calvin Ridley uh, situation led to him taking an indefinite break from football before the Falcons finally stopped twiddling their thumbs and, and, and finally got up and said, okay, and we need to go out there and make this move that again, to me was clear as day six weeks ago. But as I say, um, while the team was a little slow on the uptake, as they say, uh, better late than never. And it at least shows the team that is not going to necessarily do the thing that we've seen so many past Falcon teams do, which is always believe that they're can develop guys in house. Uh, and would have said like, Oh, we don't need to go out there and get a speed threat at wide receiver because we have Tajay Sharp. We have Frank Darby. We have Alameda Zacchaeus. And clearly those guys aren't able to provide what the team needs at this position. So, what the team needs is obviously that speed threat and, and maybe the timeline for Marvin Hall is going to be a little quicker just because he's a little bit more familiar from his past in Atlanta or the, the familiarity he has with, you know, some of the coaching staff like Dave Ragone means that maybe we don't have to wait three to four weeks, but maybe we can wait, you know, two to three weeks or something like that. So, um, you know, of course, despite being the conductor of the Marvin Hall hype train, uh, there's always the possibility that in a week or two that the Falcons could wind up uh, parting ways with Marvin Hall because he doesn't necessarily solve the problem. But as I say, like, you know, I often say you get credit for trying, even if Marvin Hall doesn't wind up helping solve the Falcons problems in terms of adding that speed threat, at least they made an attempt rather than just again, sitting there and twiddling their thumbs and being like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we solve this problem. Like you go out there and you try to sign somebody to help solve the problem. Um, so we're going to continue today's locked on Falcons talking about what Marvin Hall is going to bring on the football field. But before we get there, guys, let's talk about what you can bring to your wallet in the form of cash back so that you can save more money at the pump. And I know when you're stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic in Atlanta or wherever you call home, you wind up burning through a ton of gas. Why not get some cash back so you can save at the pump with a new app called Get Upside? You now can. When you open an account with Get Upside, you get 25 cents back per gallon every time you fill up. Over time, that kind of savings can start to add up with some people making as much as two to $300 a month uh, with Get Upside, you not only save, but there's multiple cash out options. You can get direct payments into your bank account. You can get PayPal. You can get your money put into gift cards for Amazon and other places available all the time. And now when you open an account with GetUpside and use our special promo code touchdown, you can get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free GetUpside app available in the app store or on Google play and use our promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So the question becomes, what is Marvin Hall bringing to the field? Big plays, of course. And if you've been a regular listener of this podcast for the past several years, you know how much importance I place on offense is being explosive. And I did an episode. There's probably a card above uh, that you can click on where I talked exclusively about this, uh, 
a week or so ago. Uh, so go check out that full episode to get the, the skinny on that. But basically the summary was that team success is closely linked to offensive success versus defensive success. And offensive success is closely linked to teams being explosive on offense. And, you know, the reason for that is it's hard to sustain drives in the NFL. You know, when you have to go 10 or 15 plays to, to go down the field, you know, and when you think about it, like, let's say you have a 12 play drive and let's say every third play winds up being a, a third down. Uh, so that would mean on a 12 play drive, you would have four, you would have to convert four third downs uh, in order to uh, maintain possession of the ball. And when you look at the best third down offense in the entire NFL, which is currently the Kansas City Chiefs, they only convert about 55 percent of their third downs. So most teams convert less than half of their third downs. And so the odds are not in your favor if you're forced to have to convert, you know, four consecutive third downs on any given drive. You know, the only teams that can do that are the Miami Dolphins on an opening drive against the Atlanta Falcons defense. But outside of that, it's nearly impossible uh, to do that. Uh, but, you know, big plays, and when I refer to big plays, I'm, I'm talking about gains of 20 or more yards as big plays really help out offenses. You know, the average NFL play is about 5.6 yards this year. So if you got a 22-yard gain, that would be the equivalent of basically four plays. That's four less plays that you need on, you know, one of these drives. You know, that's potentially one uh, less third down that you are going to need to convert. And so that puts the advantage back in the offense offense's favor that tilts the scales back in the favor of the offense where you're not forced to have to convert all these consecutive third downs. And so what Hall can do is add a lot more speed and really help take the top off of this off off of defenses with his 429 speed that he ran at his pro day many years ago. And you go watch any highlight clip of Marvin Hall over these last couple of years, particularly in Detroit, and you're just going to see him running by corners. And we saw this past Sunday where the Falcons tried to go deep to Tajay Sharp, uh, where he was running against, I believe it was Dante Jackson, and he couldn't get on top of it. Now, granted, Jackson is one of the fastest corners in the NFL with a 4-3-2 uh, 40 time. But, you know, Hall has the potential to, you know, uh, beat that guy in a foot race. Uh, and so it gives you a real advantage there going up against even the premier speed threats at that cornerback position. And, you know, obviously it's much easier generating explosive plays when you're throwing the ball down the field rather than having to rely on short throws and, and yards after catch underneath in order to generate those explosive plays. And we've seen the Falcons kind of have to rely, particularly early in the season, on those sort of underneath throws and a lot of yards after catch. Well, now we've seen, you know, Kyle Pitts, particularly the last couple of weeks, really open up more of the vertical element of the offense. But we saw against Carolina when we weren't generating those types of big plays to Kyle Pitts uh, with Matt Ryan and him not connecting on a couple of deep balls. Uh, there wasn't really a whole lot for the Falcons, and they were unable to generate a single explosive play in this game, which is the second time that's happened this year, uh, going back to the week one game against the Eagles. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence the Falcons struck to score points in that game and also struggled to score points um, in this most recent game against Carolina because they weren't able to generate explosive plays. And you don't necessarily need situations like we've seen several times over the last month or so where the Falcons have been able to get those big explosive plays down the field with those vertical bombs from Matt Ryan on, you know, plays that Cordero Patterson or Russell Gage or Kyle Pitts, where we've seen, you know, a safety out of position and that led to the opening the Falcons that were able to exploit. You don't need that with Marvin Hall because his speed alone is going to put the safety out of position, right? You don't need the safety to blow that coverage because he's just going to run by that safety, right? That's the value of having a speed threat at that position. And again, with, without Kyle Pitts generating those explosive plays this past Sunday, you know, it's been hard for the Falcons to generate explosive plays uh, with the rest of their core. And, and basically it's, it's Kyle Pitts 
with, you know, assists from Cordero Patterson and Calvin Ridley. The Falcons have 20, 20 plus yard plays this season, which is the second lowest total in the NFL uh, through the first eight weeks. And Kyle Pitts has accounted for half of those. And then there's five more for Cordero Patterson and three more for uh, Calvin Ridley. And now you don't have Calvin Ridley. Um, and so, you know, we haven't seen Cordero Patterson generate an explosive play since the Washington game. Um, and it goes back to something I talked about earlier this season where, you know, despite the, the amazing, incredible start that Cordero Patterson made to the season, I wasn't convinced that that was something that you could, you know, be sustainable and you could rely on for the remainder of the year, uh, just given because Cordero Patterson's production over the first month of the season was just blowing away anything he really had done up to that point in his career. Uh, And I just don't know if that was, you could rely on Cordero Patterson to keep sustaining at that rate that he was doing. You go back to, you know, the big plays that he's generated throughout his career. The most he's ever had in a single season was 10 that he had in the rookie year. And that was way back in 2013. And in the year since he's never had more than six in a given season. And so he had five in the first four weeks of the season. And so like he was already at a career pace Uh, and really the the 10 that he had as a rookie, most of those came, I think he had like eight in the final six games of that season. So he he, he got really hot at the end of that, of his rookie season uh, in Minnesota. But since then you just haven't seen the consistency. So he was off to the best start that he's ever had in uh, in his NFL career uh, from an explosiveness standpoint. And you couple that with that necessarily not being sustainable. You couple that with a rookie tight end in Kyle Pitts, where you, you don't know if you're going to be able to rely on him week in and week out um, to, to be able to generate those explosive plays. And we've seen that be the case where, you know, he's either killing it like we saw in the London game against the Jets or in the Dolphins game. And it's not to sit here and say he's not doing anything else in the other games, but it's just, you know, if he's basically providing all the explosiveness to your offense, he's going to be up and down. That's what happens with rookies. You're not going to be able to rely on those guys week in and week out. So, you know, I think getting a player like Hall is going to help take some of the pressure, potentially take some of the pressure off of Kyle Pitts, off of Cordero Patterson, and help fill a little bit of that void that has been sorely missing uh, since we haven't really necessarily seen Kyle, Calvin Ridley uh, generate the explosive plays that we had seen in previous years. Uh, another player uh, that, you know, did generate a big play in that Miami game on a vertical throw was Russell Gage, but then had a very quiet uh, performance against Carolina uh, with, you know, zero targets and zero catches in this game. And we'll wrap up today's Locked on Falcons answering a listener question over whether or not Russell Gage was getting open in this game, despite the fact that he was not getting particularly many targets. But before we get there, guys, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. And I also have a recommendation for what should be your second listen of the day. And while I don't know the results of game six of the world series, as of this recording, of course, Lockdown Braves is going to have you covered for whatever the result is. Lockdown Braves is free and available in a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube. So football season is in full swing. And as always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and even more odds, props and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. You can head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today with the promo code locked on and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Falcons are currently six point underdogs on the road this weekend against the saints. Maybe you like their odds to potentially finally get that Taysom Hill size monkey off of their back this weekend, or you like their odds against Trevor Simeon should Hill's concussion continue to have him sideline. Regardless, better line is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, baseball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
So Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, is unveiling a new mystery flavor and a contest that will allow you to guess that flavor ahead of time and win great prizes like a year-long supply of Built Bars, along with other prizes prizes like a Peloton bike, a new iPhone, or a $500 gift card. Go order a box of the mystery flavor right now before the contest ends on November 2nd, or I'm sorry, November 12th. Uh, if you're not that adventurous to try their new mystery flavor, of course, there's still the tried and true built bar flavors like Paranormal Pumpkin, Peanut Butter Brownie, Salted Caramel, Coconut Almond, Blueberry Muffin, and so many more. Built bars are great because they taste just like a candy bar containing 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but you get none of the guilt of eating a candy bar, particularly this time of year coming off the heels of Halloween because built bars taste great, but they're healthy too. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. Go order yourself some today at built.com and use the promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. So our question comes from one flew over to Falcon's nest at Mave two one two four on Twitter. Yes. Can you check on how gauge did on Sunday in your all 22 review and see if he had trouble getting open. No target seems odd for a supposed number two wide receiver. So as is usually the case, you know, it's guys get open, but they're just not getting the ball. And there were a handful of plays, particularly early in the game where it did seem like the Falcons had an opportunity to get gauge, you know, the ball. And, and maybe that would have been the preferred target for Matt Ryan, but pressure kind of blew up the play. And, and Matt Ryan was either forced to check the ball down uh, quicker than he would probably would have liked to, or we had to basically escape the pocket and therefore, you know, he wasn't able to see gauge breaking over and, uh, over the middle or something like that. So, um, you know, I, I think there were opportunities for gauge. It wasn't purely, he wasn't getting open, but, um, you know, there weren't that many that I watched on film, uh, instances where it was like, Oh, Russell gauge was wide open on this play and he should have gotten the ball. You know, I can probably count on one hand, how many instances were that, which, you know, over the course of a game when you're getting 36 snaps is not a big, big number, but generally speaking, you know, you don't necessarily have to get open 36 times, uh, in a game. You just got to get open five times. And if the quarterback throws you the ball those five times, then you will probably have a productive game in that regard. So, um, some of it was owed to the fact that I think the, the Falcons, and this has been a issue throughout the season, whether we've been talking about it with Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts and some of these earlier games where we were talking about why aren't the Falcons being able to get some of these guys more involved in the offense um, is that, you know, when teams are deploying their zone coverage against the Falcons, some of the routes that the Falcons ask their guys to, to run, particularly on the outside uh, where Gage and, and Pitts and, and Ridley have been, you know, tends to lead them to getting bracketed. It's not because they're getting, you know, the te- defenses are actively doubling them, but it, it's just a certain routes where they're running at the safeties. And, and so therefore, you know, there's the corner underneath in the zone and then there's a safety over the top. And so therefore, um, you know, unless Matt Ryan is feeling particularly bold and, and the case has been so far this year, that's only really been the situation with, with Kyle Pitts. He's not going to necessarily throw in the double coverage there uh, and try to fit a ball to Russell Gage. And so, you know, what was interesting in this game was, you know, Gage played 36 snaps, but so did Tajay Sharp. And you talk about Gage being that number two receiver, um, but the fact that Sharp, you know, him and Gage both had the same number of snaps. And there were several instances in this game where, you know, I was keeping an eye as I was watching the film, I was keeping an eye on what Russell Gage was doing. And there were several instances in the game, much more than I realized uh, initially, was that Russell Gage wasn't on the field all that much. Uh, you know, 68% of, I think, the snaps is what 36 snaps wound up working out to be, which is, is not a low number, but certainly is not a high end number, particularly for the guy that you, as you say, with 
Ridley out, you would assume he would have been the number one wide receiver. And I bring this up because, you know, we've seen Tajay Sharp sort of leapfrog Alameda Zacchaeus uh, in terms of his snap counts this past week. And, you know, given that Sharp, you know, responded with his best game of the season against Carolina, really was the only effective wide receiver that the Falcons had uh, in last Sunday's game, you know, maybe Tajay Sharp will start being seen as the number two receiver moving forward, you know, uh, when Ridley gets back. And, and therefore, until Ridley gets back, we might see Tajay Sharp get more of a workload as a number one wide receiver, which is not a positive. It's good for Tajay Sharp, but it's not generally a positive sign for the Falcons because one of the things I, I talked about over the summer, I believe, in a podcast back then when we, I think we were previewing the training camp battles at the wide receiver position. And one of the things I talked about with Tajay Sharp is that you go back to his days in Tennessee where, he, you know, he was a solid you know role player for them for several years. Years, but any of those years where he was more than their number three wide receiver or when he was the number three wide receiver or higher on the depth chart, you know, the very following offseason, the, the Titans would go out there and make significant investments at the wide receiver position. I believe that the offseason when they went out and signed Eric Decker and, and, a, and a bunch of other free agents, they went out. Uh, that was coming off of the heels of a season where Tajay Sharp was in the, one of their top three wide receivers. Um, the same situation, I think, was the offseason when they went out and drafted A.J. Brown in the second round, uh, came off the heels of a season where Tajay Sharp. So, so generally speaking, when Tajay Sharp is one of your top three wide receivers, history tells us that teams then decide we don't have a great wide receiver core and we need to invest significantly in that group. And I think that's kind of the case here with the Falcons. But, you know, without being too judgmental on Russell Gage, you know, we haven't necessarily seen really any of the wide receivers shine in this offense outside of, you know, a, a handful of instances for Tajay Sharp in, in several of these games. And so I don't, I don't want to be too harsh on Russell Gage and criticizing him because if, you know, if Arthur Smith can't feature Calvin Ridley, who's a much more skillful wide receiver than Russell Gage is, then, you know, what chances Russell Gage have? So, you know, not to be too harsh on uh, uh, putting criticism on this coaching staff and whatnot, but we just haven't seen really any of these wide receivers. Basically it's, it's Kyle Pitts uh, and, and to a lesser extent Patterson um, and no, really nobody else is really playing at a high level with the exception of Tajay Sharp, at least in terms of exceeding expectations there. So, you know, my expectation is that the Falcons will probably wind up investing significant resources at the wide receiver position next off season, probably much to the chagrin of a lot of folks that want to see this team uh, focus, you know, finally, you know, one of these off seasons on, you know, investing in the defense, uh, you know, I've seen Falcon fans clamoring to have a uh, Panthers like uh, draft hall where we saw in the 2020 draft where the Panthers used their entirety of their draft class on their defense. And that seems to be paying off for them now in, in this year when they have a defense that is performing like a top 10 unit uh, with several of those young players emerging in that case. But uh, as I've mentioned several times, you know, offense wins championships. And if you want to continue to, um, have Matt Ryan around and, and, and justify paying him as much money as we are paying him in order to, you know, keep him as whatever you want to call him a bridge quarterback or, or the, the franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future, wherever you, you fall on that spectrum, you kind of do need to put weapons around him. Uh, so fortunately, hopefully we won't see the Falcons invest in the wide receiver core as well as other offensive positions, um, despite, you know, needing to invest in those defense, but we'll just sort of see what happens. And, and hopefully, you know, Marvin Hall will 
mitigate some of those issues. Maybe Marvin Hall's emergence over the final, you know, five or six games of the season uh, might lead to the Falcons feeling less compelled to invest those resources at the wide receiver position. So time will tell if, if we, you know, with, with Russell Gage and Marvin Hall and Tajay Sharp and Alameda Ezekias and of course Calvin Ridley, you know, what this wide receiver core, there's still a lot of football left to be played and we'll sort of see what these guys can do the rest of the season. But certainly uh, the better these guys perform, you know, down the stretch, the better it will be at least to those of you that want to see the Falcons uh, invest fully in the defense, because that means that they will need less investments at the wide receiver position. Uh, so we'll just sort of see how that all goes and hopefully it all works out. Uh, and hopefully I won't necessarily have to um, eat crow on the, the Marvin Hall siding and, and we see him produce for this team uh, moving forward. But uh, that's going to leave it for us here guys on today's lockdown Falcons and uh, again, thank you for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen. And of course, I have plenty of recommendations for that second listen. Of course, Lockdown Braves being one. But if you're, you know, looking for more NFL action, you want to hear some insights into all the trade deadline moves, including the Falcons not making any moves, which is, shouldn't be a surprise in that regard. You know, we had some fun on recent episodes of the podcast speculating about some potential trades, but all of them sort of seem like a fantastic, fantastical in, in sort of their cultivation or whatever the case may be. But uh, Peacock and Williamson is that national show that's going to provide you all the coverage that you need on, you know, everything that happened on the trade deadline, as well as the coverage of all 32 NFL teams. Uh, go check out uh, the Peacock and Williamson show featuring NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. Of course, Peacock and Williamson is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, as well as all the Lockdown podcast shows, including Apple, Odyssey, Google and Spotify. So that's where we're going to leave it guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode tomorrow. We will be back with a, uh, uh, th- crossover Thursday, uh, as we talk with Ross Jackson of locked on saints to get the skinny on this upcoming week nine matchup between the Falcons and saints. Appreciate it guys until then.